Welcome to another edition of the Go Basky Walls Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. You could have kept playing. <laughs> uh, it's a quick game to play, right? I mean, <laughs> it's done. You, you see, is that Ryan Gosling in the background? Who? No, that sounded like jazz. No, that's not one of the two songs he learned. <laughs> <laughs> Chopsticks. Ding 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 ding. I think you mean train's latest single. <laughs> oh, oh my god. I don't think I've heard that one yet. Oh, that's heart and soul. No, that's heart that and doing. soul. That was yeah. the other one I knew. Ugh. Start us off, Charlie. What are you waiting for? Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Walls Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. I am Adam Gobeski, and we have with us uh three special guests who will introduce themselves according to alphabetical order based on their middle names. Well, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that's uh, me then, and this this is Paul Wilcox. Wait, what's your middle name, Paul? Uh, what what's it I, start with? I actually don't know your middle name though. It's it starts with a C. It's Cranston. Okay, okay. Um, I'm guessing I'm next. <laughs> I'm Douglas E. Gobeski, and I am Brianne M. K. Gobeski. Yay! We did it. You did without even knowing. <laughs> <laughs> Educated guessing. Yep. We let the Zen and the, the, or everything just lead us to that answer. Just like, we're one with each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, I can just, I can feel the oneness. Mm-hmm. Although I, it, it just stopped a second ago. I, I think, I think our connection broke. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Brianne got really, really quiet. Well, it's also because Doug put his shirt back on. So that broke the connection. <laughs> what the fuck? Because <laughs> the rest of us don't have shirts on. <laughs> Well, he was high wasting <laughs> in Charlie's like in Charlie's favorite movie. I don't know what you're talking about because I am just sitting here wearing sweat stained boxers, and that is it. <laughs> All right, we are that. on day eight of no that. air conditioning. And cut that too. <laughs> that can go in the sub tag show. <laughs> Just Once we get about three hundred episodes in, I think, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> the rejected tags show. So it's like tags that got cut from the tag show. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, we are all gathered here today for the nineteenth installment of our Mary Marvel movie march. Uh, we all just watched the two thousand five movie Electra, starring Jennifer Garner. That's right. We have moved forward five weeks into the future. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Late Trinity was December 8th, 2004. This was January 14th, 2005. That may be literally the literal amount of time since we recorded the Blade episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is not bode well. We're going in real time now. <laughs> At least we're not slower than it yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But yes, uh, we are watching Electra. This is the story of Denise Dennis Electra, <laughs> <laughs> who is an assassin designed to kill all the diamond medallions in the world. And so they have to stop her before the lizard population disappears completely. It might as well have been the movie. <laughs> Hold on, is that why the guy who she uh, assassinates at the beginning doesn't really get a backstory or a name or anything? You're just supposed to somehow recognize that that's Diamond Medallion? Yeah. I like ah. I think he was my favorite. That is, uh, that is Star Trek Discovery Captain Jason Isaacs. Hmm. Uncredited for some reason. Really? 
Weird. It's definitely Jason Isaacs. We definitely had more lines than even some of the villains did. Oh, right. yes. Uh, Electra, seriously. Real talk. This is our first spinoff movie. Uh, this is a spinoff of the 2003 film Daredevil. And so Jennifer Garner returns in her role as Electra from that movie to headline her own movie here. And uh, like all good returning characters in their own spinoffs, she did, in fact, die during Daredevil. So they have to address that. But she apparently uh, came back to life uh, thanks to Evanescence. And and so now she's an assassin for hire who's apparently very good at her job and very deadly until one day she meets a girl and her dad who remind her of her past life. And then she goes from trying to kill them to protecting them from some nebulous group of people called The Hand who I know more about from the Netflix series than anything in this movie. (laughs) Yep. Shadowy organization in a fancy boardroom. What more do you need to know? I mean, I, I may have thought more positively about this movie because I actually knew that background. So, um, Doug and Paul, did either of you not know about the background of the, the story ahead of time and can tell us whether this made any sense. Okay. I was going in totally blind. Uh, no, no pun intended, uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And I, you know, it's hard to say how much I really picked up. I mean, it sort of made sense, but. So you didn't know anything really about the hand before you saw this? No, I was like, okay, there's some thing, you know, there a whole thing, but I didn't know anything about the hand. No. So no, I had not seen the movie before and I at least knew had seen the Daredevil TV series on Netflix, so I at least knew a little bit about the character. Okay. And I had seen Daredevil yeah. um previously. But at the time this came out, it was kind of like, why would I want to go see that? And so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why would one want to go see that, Adam? <laughs> uh yeah, so this apparently this came out earlier than I thought it did. For some reason, I thought it came out roughly around the same time Daredevil did, which is like February. But apparently this must have been like one of the first movies we went and saw that semester <laughs> at Michigan State. Because we, me and my friend uh, Dave, and I think Matt came with us too, went and saw this movie. Uh, I don't know why. Probably I was just like, oh, Electra, let's go see a movie or whatever, right? And so, yeah, I, I have not seen it since then, but I did see it in the theaters and we were all rather underwhelmed by it to the point where uh, I told Dave that if he ever bought the DVD, he would owe me five dollars. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, that movie was terrible. And I was like, you're still going to buy it on DVD. But your five dollars you'll buy on DVD. He's like, OK, big shot. You're the one did you ever get it. that five dollars? never bought it on dvd so maybe yeah maybe i owe him five dollars it was it was just well then it was more of a syntax kind of bought it for the sake of the march here (laughs) anyone else uh i had not seen it before i don't know there's much more to say other than that yeah i hadn't seen it and a lot of that has to do with you telling me how bad it is adam I mean, there's a lot of other Marvel movies I haven't seen, too, but this one was way at the bottom of my list. Yeah, and same same here. I I didn't see it. I'm not sure why. I was probably vaguely aware of it as a high school senior, but, you know, probably was still riding that uh, Blade Trinity 
Hi. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I didn't see that in high school. <laughs> so the movie starts out, I'm wondering whether people think about this, with an animated introduction that kind of tells you about the backstory of the hand. Uh, what what does everybody in general think about those sorts of animated introductions for, for movies? I actually kind of thought that was sort of neat. I was confused. I don't normally mind that type of thing, but I thought that in the introduction they said that the hand was a good organ, good group, because I got really confused because of my background in the hand, and then after seeing the rest of the movie, thinking about it, I'm like, it just came across as slightly confusing to me in the content. I didn't, I mean, I thought they, it, you know, them having it was fine. But. Yeah, I think the wording was very strange. I agree with that. I, I know that uh, I uh, was getting pizza at that moment, so I don't actually oh, know. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'd actually forgotten that it had that introduction until you just mentioned it now. Oh, okay. <laughs> and pretty much all I took away from that intro was, okay, classic Zoroastrian story of good versus evil, and somehow Jennifer Garner is, I don't know, the chosen one or whatever. Going to bring balance to the force by killing all the younglings. <laughs> but I feel like it didn't even address that, and like I feel like I feel like it didn't even address that throughout the movie. Like, no, you're right. It was just the background of kind of like who she's supposed to be, and so I'm like, oh, okay, that's the whole thing, right? One side, both sides are trying to to get her, right, and they're trying to swing her to her to their side. There was nothing. It, I was kind of like, okay, like she was never the individual in between the good and the bad. She was nothing. Like it just it didn't matter yeah the reason i bring it up is because for me it's always a warning sign for the rest of the film it's not always bad but (laughs) often it means that they're not able to explain something within the movie that they should have been able to explain or perhaps that they film the entire thing and audiences didn't understand what was going on so they had to add that (laughs) at the beginning you see it like i want to say it was like was it Dracula Untold or something like that? Which I can't believe I saw, but it had like a huge explanation <laughs> at the beginning. And it just this just reminded me of that. I mean, I don't think it's as... I had to wait to see the entire movie, Electra, before I knew whether it was good or bad. And I think it was, it was kind of middling. It wasn't as foreboding as I thought it was going to be, but still. Well, it did kind of lead you down one thought train until the sort of twist. So it kind of got you thinking in that realm that she was what everybody was fighting for, you know, but maybe we should actually talk a little bit about the movie before we start just throwing around pronouns. Yeah. Okay. okay. (laughs) So the fight scene or the kind of the, at the beginning of the film after the weird animated intro, um, I actually thought was pretty good. I kind of sat there watching going, okay, well, if this is how this movie is going to be, I'm kind of on board with this. Why was this so bad? I kind of felt like she, I wanted more fight, but I think they were also trying to be more mysterious with her at that time but i still thought it was like it led up pretty well i mean i enjoyed the beginning part of that movie so yeah i I thought the opening scene it did start off kind of interesting because it establishes her as like an amazing assassin that everyone's afraid of and also that she's kind of vindictive that she wants her target to be afraid of her and that's another thing that doesn't follow through the rest of the movie i just thought it was a weird way to start off and then not to use that aspect of her personality later. Yeah. Like, it's a good mythos for her to have for the start of the movie and then doesn't go anywhere. I think she was meant to grow, but I don't really see that we saw that growth. No. It it's more like an it. instant. It was just like flipping a switch. Just right. like the kiss later on. Just 
(laughs) 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 So the whole movie revolves around Electra, who is a uh, a very skilled assassin who has been hired to kill uh, a man and his daughter somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Um, It's not clear to her why initially, so she has to decide whether or not she's actually going to go through with it. She decides not to. Um, and then realizes that these two people are more important than had initially been been let on to her specifically. Um, so we move immediately from that action scene to a bunch of no action scenes for a very long time. <laughs> Reminded me a lot of The Punisher. When is he going to punish people? I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. that's true, but I didn't find this as infuriating as I found The Punisher. <laughs> that's true. Is it because you didn't expect it to be as punished as much punishment in this film? Uh, well, I think it's because they actually set this up in a way that I was prepared for there to be stretches of stuff not happening, right? Whereas in The Punisher, right, they kill his family and then nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, he had to give the law a chance to do its job. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and we had to see every moment. <laughs> so I know I, this to me felt more, I guess, maybe traditional. And it's just the way it's set up of just like action scene. And then, you know, you add some complication and, you know, you have a little bit of action, some more complications. So, I, you know, I never really noticed that nothing was happening. Speaking of not noticing, I was watching it. Speaking of not noticing, how could she not notice she had OCD? Like that entire beginning of the sequence, was like that's the big thing they were right. That's what they were setting up with the setting up next to the. Um, do you know what I'm talking? Oh, this, yeah. The fruit, and then setting up next to the sink, and her scrubbing the floors continuously at the very beginning. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I and she said she said her jeans. She referenced her jeans when she was cleaning the floor. Right. Like her. She needed to scrub her DNA away or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was just weird. And then I don't have OCD. I, I always really enjoy the way like directors and stuff assume that audiences don't know things about stuff like DNA. <laughs> <laughs> but to assume that they'll recognize random medicine names and know what that does. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I saw that and I was like, I've literally never heard of this drug. I have literally Never heard of this drug. <laughs> but you saw the top of the bottle, though, right? Is that what you're talking about? Where it said for insomnia? No, I didn't. Oh, is, did it? It's written on the label, yeah, at the top. <laughs> it wasn't super clear, yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. Wow. I just there, knew what that drug somebody, was. Somebody mark this. Charlie did a better job of watching the movie than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, he was watching it zoomed in so he could see Jennifer Gardner's cleavage. <laughs> you know, I I feel like this movie had less cheesecake than Daredevil, by far. Yeah, I was very surprised by that. I wasn't expecting... Like, like there's the kiss with the, the goth lipstick lesbian, but that's about it. That's typhoid like it. Mary. She's just typhoid. Well, whatever. It's supposed to be typhoid Mary. Wait, that was supposed to be Typhoid Mary? That was supposed to be Typhoid Mary. Yep. Well, and then, I mean... But we'll get to them. And then some of her her fight scenes when she was in the, the red, it was pretty... But everything's... Yeah, it wasn't too bad. You're right. It really wasn't. Right? 
It is a, it is actually a different director. For for the last 13 years, I've been laboring under the assumption that uh, the director of this was the same person who directed Daredevil, Mark Steven Johnson. But apparently it's not. This is actually directed by uh, Rob Bowman, who uh, is probably better known as the director of various genre television show episodes. He did some Next Generation, some X-Files. Apparently he was a producer on Castle for the longest time. Mm-hmm. So. Huh. Huh. But I... But including like the, you know, there wasn't a lot of the scantily clad or anything like that as much. There wasn't like any blood. Oh, well, I assume they were just going for the PG-13, which is why when people die, they explode in a puff of smoke and light. (laughs) A never explained puff of smoke. (laughs) Yeah. I just figured that everybody that worked for the hand were bags of pollen. <laughs> what? It just looked like they were just like pollen pods. It just goes, and then they were done. Yeah, maybe the hand is like a single plant-based organism <laughs> that's spreading across the globe. Not a movie for those with allergies. My goodness. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that must be why people stayed away. They were allergic to. It. <laughs> okay, one question I wrote down that I want to ask. Um, where in the Pacific Northwest are you where it's Christmas day, but it looks like it's summer outside, (laughs) you know, like, like like annoying teenage girl that we haven't really talked about yet was like, it's Christmas today. Like, first of all, what (laughs) (laughs) just came out of nowhere. And like, after people are wandering around in like t-shirts and stuff, she's swimming. Yeah. Yeah, She's swimming in the lake. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be cold and, and probably rainy. Yeah. Well, it was rainy during Ninja Assassination Death Explosion Day. Oh, yeah. Even during, like, summer and late fall, the water up there can be just ridiculously cold. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't quite exactly. know. It's just like, what is... Like, Multiple I'm things to wrong with the weather in this movie. <laughs> well, I feel like the whole movie kind of felt like, oh, wait, we need something here okay well let's make it christmas okay Please. you know and yeah. it's like, like, that's a great point it doesn't have to be christmas <laughs> why does right. it have she to be christmas to come over for dinner yeah. could be independence day <laughs> you're not going to stay alone on independence day are you <laughs> that's a social drinking event <laughs> yeah it felt very we're filming the pacific northwest to get tax breaks <laughs> probably in british columbia right now that's that's immediately what i thought it was like this, some of this is nice you know nice scenery but you could tell it's why but uh one of the things I've, that is going to come up a couple times through the march is when you get someone that's sort of like an anti-hero in some ways for some reason the movies feel the need to team them up with an adorable quote-unquote child mm-hmm. slash teenager that they have to protect because this is going to come up again in Ghost Rider 2, I remember specifically. Ah, yeah. Oh, um, can't wait for that. That's right. Pee and fire, baby. Oh, boy. <laughs> because, yeah, yes. yeah, a lot of the movies, especially in the Marvel Universe, and, they team them up like that. Yeah, and it's just kind of weird. And and for most of the movie, I was just like, oh, you are exactly like a 13-year-old girl, and I can't stand you. <laughs> <laughs> No, she is what you would expect a 13-year-old girl to be. Yeah, sorry. She was the she did a good job. A movie 13-year-old um, teenager. She, yeah. she did a good job of uh, playing a part. Oh, yeah. 
I would not disagree with that. Yeah, I actually thought she didn't do too poorly, except I think a lot of it was her writing and what she had to say just irritated the crap out of me. Yeah, just like <laughs> yelling out constantly while they're hiding. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you find out later that she's skilled and trained, <laughs> that now you're like, why were you screaming? You of all people know, hmm. stay quiet Yeah, when you're hiding. But it's like this weird thing that's like, oh, there's a potential here that we as an audience may not actually like the main characters. So we'd better put them in a family style relationship oh, so that we're yeah. forced to like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Humanize them. Yeah. And it's like, maybe I just need to see Electra kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. Yeah. Why did we start the movie with her uh, uh, showing how she's some sort of a BA assassin? Essentially, the Baba Yaga. Yeah, that really is kind of how they played her out to be. That the legend. You just then they immediately send her into a situation in which she is bored and we are also bored. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's writing. That's how you do it. It really captured that boredom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really felt that. So I think, though, that it was it's kind of another example of them just, like, throwing something in there because we need to create tension. Okay, well, then let's have her wait. Because he didn't talk about her waiting when he was talking about the contract. He tells her this on the phone after she's already there, right? It's like, oh, by the way, you now have to sit there and wait for two days. And the story could have just as easily have gone forward if she were to have, like, maybe seen it was a guy and a young girl and she went to go look and she saw them having, like, a Christmas dinner and she felt remorse and she didn't want to kill them, like, and have that spark? No, I mean, she's doing no. it. They, they set it up so that she, you know, makes the emotional connection with them so that she then has a reason to not kill them, which I don't think she'd have if she just saw them. Yeah, she would have just pulled the, she would have just let loose with that arrow if it had been the first day. I don't know. I guess the debate that we're having is symptomatic of a larger problem with this movie of that it doesn't choose to explain much of anything. Uh, Like, it introduces villains who apparently have superpowers. You hear their names literally once and then half of them are killed like five (laughs) minutes later. Like, to the point where one of them, I literally don't know what his special power was, if he even had one, right? Because he just... The guy with the... The coin? Coin? He had a coin? Or he had yeah. something he was fiddling in his hand at the beginning. The skinny guy? Yeah, the skinny guy, right? It's like, oh, I, okay, that guy's dead. I don't know what he what his deal was. They didn't even have him on camera close enough to it for a long enough period of time that I could get a sense of his face, right? Yeah. For all I know, it was two different people. Yeah, exactly. It was pulled back when you first meet him, and then during his actual fight scenes, there's so much cutting that... <laughs> I, I couldn't figure out what was going on with that guy. Yeah, and then, you know, they bring in, like, Typhoid Mary, although she's not really Typhoid Mary, just to, where you're just like, well, that was a waste of a character. And what happened where she used to be the treasure? And then I got really confused. Yeah, that's another thing, right? Like, did this bring stuff up out of nowhere? It's like, oh, I used to be the treasure. Like, what? <laughs> that came out of nowhere. Right. Like, the reason they're exploding into pollen lights, right? Like, that comes out of nowhere. It's completely unexplained. And it's not like this is a long movie, right? Like, it could have stood to have 10 minutes of just, like, actual setup of, like, here's who the hand are. Here's who these people are. You know, here's how, why we should actually be afraid of them. 
Well, we tried that, Adam, with the animated introduction. But I was eating pizza that, at that point. But even that said the hand was good. <laughs> I was still getting popcorn in my getting into my seat at that point. Okay, Tony. Movie started early. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I find I don't soak in intros at all. You have to like trickle these things throughout the movie for the <laughs> audience to. You can't front load exposition. You know, force it down their throat. I mean, yeah, it's like the only introductory thing like that. I think that I've ever retained was the horror movie that Charlie and I watched late one night where they had an introductory lecture that explained to you that (laughs) colors made you feel different things. (laughs) Like if you see red, you feel angry. And if you feel like yellow, you feel like fearful and things like that. And then it was some random horror movie, but every so often the screen would tint a particular color to make you <laughs> quote unquote feel whatever they wanted you to feel at that point. That's about the only int- like yeah. luxury intro that I actually have retained over the years. I think. <laughs> what about Star Wars? The first time with a Star Wars scroll? I don't think so. Uh, episode one. For instance, I oh, only episode, seen episode one, especially not. <laughs> I've only seen Last Jedi once, for instance. I couldn't tell you at all what Mm-mm. the setup is for that beyond just what happened at right. the end of Force Awakens. Ooh, yeah, good point. So, although at least with the Star Wars scroll, it, the opening thing theme grabs your attention and makes you want to read what's on screen. Yeah, as opposed to this film. Yeah, I, it's it's a hard one to know because you know it's one of those things you've seen it enough times. Yeah, where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, there's a. Uh, a rebel alliance and they're trying to stop a death star and stuff like that right but i don't know if for necessarily like the first time i saw it if i could have told you that afterwards in any detail beyond what just already is showing up in the movie i mean i've seen the movies less than you have and i i mean i've seen them all but i couldn't tell you most of the time i look at them like there's a bunch of weird names in there i don't know <laughs> what's going well, on but this never I- Crumbus Mungungus. I guess we can just chalk that up as another one in the Doug is wrong about stuff tonight. Column. Nice. I wish this was a, uh, a YouTube video so we could just have a tally on screen the whole time. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> scratch marks. One. That's right. Oh, boy. Slowly Doug's face is just obscured by all the scratch marks. <laughs> Ends up looking like... Uh, one of them Doctor Who episodes with the silence. Oh, all the oh on his arm, yeah, yeah, gotcha. So, in general, do people object to the idea of introducing a lot of villains like that? I mean, it's kind of a common trope that I actually kind of enjoy. It's like, oh, here's a bunch of wacky villains, like, and you know, some mm. of them will get killed off early, and other ones will get killed off later. I think you need to introduce. I don't object to introducing them, you know, per se. But you you need to demonstrate to me why they're not just more random ninjas being thrown at, you know, Chuck Norris. Yeah. It's like they needed a scene where they sat there and contemplated something or tried to figure something or worked as a team to a unit. Because as far as I know, they're just random thugs. Like you said, another ninja that could just be (laughs) with a special power. They fall somewhere somewhere awkwardly in between the mini boss and the actual boss. (laughs) You know? They treated now, them almost like they're like a full unit, right? That they work together. I mean, that's at least at the beginning, that's what they were doing. And then all of a sudden it was just like, okay, then we're going to randomly just fight you because we can. I, I still now, don't know why they were fighting. And now half of them are dead. And now they're dead. So I'm just going to also insert that at some point I want to talk about her hair. <laughs> oh, Would that be the fact that half of the movie plays like a Pantene Pro V commercial? No, but if you're gonna fight, 
in a like crouching tiger hidden dragon style fight tie your hair back <laughs> like the entire time and it wasn't like sexy flowing at all during that entire fight scene it was like it's in her face going in like in her mouth oh, all yeah. over the place and and it never got better and i just looked at that for as someone who has long hair very similar to hers in the back of my mind i'm like just tie it back put it no why her hair drove me bonkers. And then at some other moments, it was a Pantene commercial. <laughs> <sighs> Tie it back. Okay. And she looks all like bombshell in that red outfit. Just tie her back. <laughs> all it needs. What was that creepy? What was that creepy it, it, whispering? It just became an ASMR video for a second. <laughs> I said, just tie your hair back. Just tie it back. Hair tie. Piece of string. Heck, rip some of that linen that's flying all over the place and just yeah, use it to tie. Well, maybe that's the practice she's beginning in her entire life. By letting her hair down, she can deal with all the linen flying around. Yet we clearly saw it's she training. couldn't. <laughs> and I like the way that they used the linen in a crouching tiger hidden dragon-esque fight scene. And it was just that was what she was fighting against more than him. Was massive amounts of hair and linen flying in her face. How much longer after that was this movie? Because it was probably... before. It was two thousand. Two thousand. Okay. Because so yeah, there seemed to be a lot of after. influence here, especially with like the jumping. I mean, obviously, none of it was done nearly as well as Crouching Tiger, but I think it tried to be Crouching Tiger matches up with Marvel movies. Yeah, I don't know that I noticed anything explicit really there. I think that might. I think any parallels there might just be because that was just in the culture at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. May have just been know, looking back in which, yeah, early mid two thousands. Yeah. Uh, what? Speaking of other movies, though, I have a question I want to pose: Is it possible for any movie after nineteen ninety three to have as dialogue "Clever Girl" <laughs> <laughs> stick out completely? Yeah. Yeah, even that, I mean, especially that, I mean, that definitely stuck out. Maybe they thought it had been just long enough, like... It's been 12 years, guys, come on! (laughs) I thought it was an intentional reference, except that I couldn't figure out why. Like, there's no (laughs) way that you wouldn't know that. Yeah. But yeah, I I noticed that too. (laughs) Maybe, like, Jurassic Park was in-universe. A Marvel movie you missed? No. Like, well, <laughs> you only missed that. Yeah. That's a technicality, anyway. The the well, one Marvel movie where they watch Jurassic Park. <laughs> Robert Downey no. Jr. watches Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, thinking about it, there was near the beginning, like where we had the, the you know, establishing assassination. Wasn't there a spot there with a door handle turning? There was. Yeah. So it's almost like the clever girl just was edited <laughs> in at the wrong moment. What about the uh, the animal guy with the animal tattoos? I think we missed, oh, missed him. I actually got a name. I actually thought the CG on him was pretty good until it like got too far out from his body. But like the moving around on his skin and the starting to pull off, I thought actually worked pretty well. He was one of the few villains that actually I felt. I didn't hate like he was well because you actually vaguely knew something about him he's like the only one they established and 
Yeah. Anyway. Him and, uh, truthfully, Typhoid they did too, whether or not she's actually Typhoid Mary, the the villain that they were trying to portray. The two of them, you could actually tell what they were trying to get across. She's going to be in season two of Iron Fist. Really? Yep. Played by Alice Eve. Oh, Um, Which means you're going to have to watch season one of Iron Fist. I already watched season one, but I mean, having watched season one, it's kind of like I was... I'd already sort of given up on the idea of season two, and now you're kind of dragging me back. Tends to do that. Uh... Or you could just be a monster like Charlie and just jump in whenever you feel like it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who any of these characters are. Speaking of things that grind my gears. (laughs) By the way, do you want to know what one of the special features on the Electro DVD is? I'd love to. Sneak peek at the return of TV's Family Guy. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but uh, maybe I'm wrong on this, so you can correct me. But I thought Psy weren't bladed weapons. I thought they were blunt. Yes. Like just piercing like, weapons, you mean? Yeah. And, and defensive. Right. Like they're kind of like mini truncheons, I thought almost. Like police officers carry them. Or it did at one point. Well, you, they're also for stabbing, though. Are they, though? Because I thought the tips were blunt. Pretty I thought they sure. Were, I thought they were for, like, you know, like, winding people and hurting them, bruising them. But I didn't think they were actually, like, necessarily penetrative weapons. First sentence of the Wikipedia. The Sai is a traditional piercing melee weapon used in Okinawa. But I'm pretty sure Wikipedia goes on to say that Sai's are blunt. Yeah, yeah, the, the sides. Yeah, I thought this not like a sword with. So it's like a cone, like a thin cone. Yeah. Well, I mean, she really only uses it for piercing. She doesn't use it for more than that. And she even mentions it. What'd she say? She says it's an offensive weapon, which I felt like that kind of goes against what you're saying. I don't know that I'm specifically faulting Electra for this so much as just Western culture in general Ah. and the appropriation Mm, of the sigh. Yeah, they they kind of turn it into a sword with a blade, you know, a bladed weapon like with the sides. Yeah, uh, usually blunt and not pointed. Right. I mean, I'm probably blaming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for this, which actually means I'm probably back to blaming Frank Miller on Daredevil for this. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could have been that Electra watched a lot of Ninja Turtles growing up, and that's how she designed her weapons. It's consistent. It doesn't mean that she can't have she a weapon like that. Only Jennifer Garner is a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably what Generation X. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. If you're using it as a defensive weapon, it's, you know, like crowd control kind of stuff, I can see where you'd maybe not want it to be sharpened. Maybe by sharpening it, she's making it into an offensive weapon. I guess well, that's my guess. But I guess why would not just use a weapon that's already naturally sharp, right? Like, I can take a billy club and sharpen it so that I can stab people <laughs> with it, too, but... Hey, I don't hey, know we, that that's a good thing to do. We saw in Daredevil, you doesn't need to be sharp to stab people with it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's true. true. Yeah, okay. You just need superhuman throwing ability. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, the sigh is a, a smaller point, even if it's not sharp. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I can do this calculation really easy just by referring to the other calculation. <laughs> Well, assuming that the Billy Club weighs 10 pounds. <laughs> um, I was going to say that 
I, there were some parts of it that I actually enjoyed. I mean, I wasn't like, yeah, I was groaning at a couple of moments with this movie, but there was, you know, like I thought that some of the fighting, not necessarily the supernatural fighting, but all of her combat fighting, I thought was actually pretty well done. I didn't think that that was like over the top flashy or really, really poorly done or any, you know, stupid writing in that part of it. This fight choreography was well designed. Except for the whole, like I said, the minute you start adding the magical elements to some of it, then I just got weird and I had annoyance with it. But I thought some of that was actually quite beautiful. So, I mean, like I said, I don't, I didn't hate every moment of this movie. I was just groaning a lot. Yeah, I actually thought Jennifer Garner was reasonably good in this, despite the fact that I don't know that it's necessarily the Electra that people maybe were expecting, but for whatever they gave her, I actually thought she did a reasonable job with the material. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair assessment. With what she had, she did a good job. Right. Uh, there's just not a lot there for her to do anything with. Her character was was very confused as like set up for a character. I didn't know what she was supposed to be and it wasn't her fault. It's just ultra assassin who is also a protective mommy figure. Right, yeah. The Maleficent vibe. It was kind of what I felt, especially when she, the girl was in the bed and she came in to talk to her. Like, I totally felt like that's Maleficent totally stole that scene from Electra. Yeah. So there, Electra did something for uh, the future of movie cinema. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if you're looking for positivity about this movie, uh, I would say for myself, I appreciated that. Like, I generally. In any given shot, I didn't have difficulty telling what was going on. Like, things weren't poorly lit and super dark. It was more, you could always tell what was happening in in a given scene. Now, I I agree with you. This was a question I was going to ask everyone anyway, which is that I watched it streaming on Amazon, and I was wondering if the transfer was really bad, because I actually made a note of how bad the lighting was. And how bad the contrast uh, and everything was. And I was like, I'm going to ask you guys what? what the DVD looked like. So that's a noted problem, at least with the Blu-ray edition. And I think the extended cut of uh, the the DVD version. All right. First of all, which version did you watch? Did it was you watch the theatrical. theatrical? Yep. Was, was Ben Affleck in your movie? No. Okay. So that's theatrical. Because uh, he has a brief scene in the uh, extended cut. Oh. Which we watched on the deleted scenes because it's on the the DVD. But one of the noted problems with the extended cut on DVD and so potentially subsequent uh, versions as well is that the transfer was noticeably poor. Yeah, okay. That's why I definitely wanted to ask everyone because I knew that it was probably on my end. Because I don't know how you get through editing and have it look like that. I was getting a lot of like half shadow, half very visible face. Like so, a lot of that, but it was just very jarring. Yeah. Again, that's I'm gonna, transfer. I, that that might be a an issue. Yeah, with the transfer rather than the initial print. Yeah, I think the problems with this movie honestly aren't really acting wise or direction. I think all the problems basically stem from the script. Writing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's overscripted in some places, and it's like really underscripted in other places. Right. Like the. The little, oh, I didn't like that at all thing that they do. And then they have a callback later. With oh, the God, kiss, I hate right? that. Like, that to me seems overscripted. Like, that's someone trying too hard. Whereas, like, the huge parts of the movie that you're just like, oh, there's some people. And now they're being killed. And 
oh, and by the way, like she was trained by General Zod at some point, and but we don't know <laughs> when. General Zod slash the uh, the head girl from Mindhead in Bowfinger. I choose, know. I yeah. Choose your favorite Terrence Stamp role, I guess. Chancellor Valorum. Chancellor Valorum. Yeah, that's true. What? I don't know what you're signing. Yeah, lettering. <laughs> we didn't really talk about that at all. Oh yeah, just the uh, let's choose Greek characters that vaguely look like English letters. Oh <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> that was Lee AF. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> yeah, so we were actually watching Sliskustra. With executive producers, with executive producers, Stan Lusk. No, it's Stun because the A. Oh right, Azrael's Stun Stun Oh jeez. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so I do have a question. What was up with the the one villain who the the unit, the big guy? He he yeah. takes a load of buckshot to the chest and just brushes it off. Yeah. But then in a later scene, he he gets crushed by a tree and that's fatal. Like a tree falls on him in the forest and he dies. Uh... I I feel like. Unless nature is his weakness, it seems kind of inconsistent. No, it's just like, imagine, you know, you can... Dragons? Uh, yeah, imagine a dragon. Imagine dragons um, are holding balloons, and you are holding radioactive pellets, and you throw them at the balloons and they bounce off. But if you sit on the balloon, it'll pop. I've completely solved mm-hmm. this problem. Nothing yeah. more to see here. It's it's, yeah, okay. it's mad, you know, it's... uh. Yeah, it's a mass thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm just picturing uh, a YouTube video of hydraulic press versus big guy from Electra. Uh. (laughs) You're sighing a lot today. This sounds amazing. I don't know why you want to sigh about that. (laughs) My mind just went to balloon popping videos. Those fetishes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Guy from Electra sitting on balloons. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I want to see. <laughs> One of these days, we will find a fetish with which Paul is not already familiar. One of these days. Or, or enticed by. <sighs> <sighs> and now we got Paul sighing. <laughs> Did anyone else have specific things they wanted to say about the movie? No tears shed for the agent when he dies. Uh, I don't know that she, I don't know that Electra even that uh, even sheds a single word of regret about his death. McCabe, I think, is his name. Yeah, McCabe. Well, she kind of realizes he's going to die, and she has that brief moment of "Oh, that sucks," as she runs <laughs> out the door. She's a professional who didn't do her job, and he's a professional. They're both. They know the deal. Yeah. And and as Brienne pointed out, she didn't do her job, and it got him killed. Isn't that what an agent-client uh, relationship's all about? If you don't do your job, they fall and they die for you. Secret agent. Wow. So, uh, Hollywood yeah. is a brutal, brutal business. How's she going to find her marks now in the future? She doesn't have an agent anymore. She just gets to kill whoever she wants? <laughs> I guess, yeah. She turns into the Punisher. Guess uh, we never got that sequel, so we don't know. As far as we know, based on the deleted scene with Ben 
but the daredevil Ben Affleck, she goes back to him. She has to finish this thing and then she goes back to him. Yeah, well. So maybe Daredevil's her uh, agent now. That could be it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does know the legal side of things. So I guess. <laughs> she just gets her into all these situations where the murder is justifiable. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wait till he attacks you first. <laughs> the new training montage. <laughs> Reasonable doubt. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> how to how to threaten people without seeming threatening? <laughs> <laughs> Got to evoke that violent response, and then boom. So I guess uh, ultimately, what did everyone think of the movie? Did you hate it? Was it as bad as you had heard? Was it amazing? Was it somewhere in the middle? I guess I'm asking, how many barely introduced supervillains would you give this movie? <laughs> Uh, I mean, so I was a bit biased coming into it by you, Adam, saying that it was just excruciatingly terrible from your experience in the theater. And I don't think I wouldn't say that it has no redeeming qualities, but in the end, it's very much not a good finished product. Three and a half. Doug's just <laughs> Doug's just struggling today. Yeah, no. It, well, I'm I'm also looking at what else I've given everything else, and she's worst rated. I don't, I don't think I want to give it a full point worse than Blade Trinity. But well, still your worst it was point. it was well, it was just very incoherent script wise. Like you said, there was a lot of tryhard stuff in there too. That like like there were some gems in the rough, but mostly it was just rough. Felt like felt like they shot a rough draft. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say it was incoherent so much as just unfinished. Like, like it's just, yeah, I mean, I've said it before, and I will clearly say it again because I'm going to say it again. But uh, it just, it felt like they needed more time to fill out some of the characters, some of the motivations, and make some stuff clear. And it's not like they didn't have the time, right? Like, this movie's only 96 minutes. They could have spared it. <laughs> even 15 minutes just to do that right and that might have ultimately made for a a better movie but like maybe that just wasn't in the script for them to shoot i I don't know but um i will say having rewatched it it wasn't as awful as i remembered it being because i remembered it being just the ultimate just the worst thing just about and rewatching it Maybe it's because I've seen more stuff subsequently. Maybe it's because we're doing this in context. But to me, it was not the worst thing. I liked this more than Punisher, for instance. Uh, The 2004 Punisher. 2004 Punisher was pretty excruciating for the most part for me. And this, I thought, you know, it's, it's poorly explained in many places here. But it was never just like excruciating. I mean, it was sometimes like Paul said, it was like, okay, I'm bored. Can we move on yet? But at least it wasn't 123 minutes of just get on with it, the way the Punisher was. So, or making me, the sweet car and destroying it immediately. Yeah. So for me, I think I'm gonna give this a 4.5. Oh, okay. If, so, if I may, so if this I is may. a little better than uh, Howard the Duck for me, and definitely better than the Punisher. So Adam, would you say that this movie has improved in your estimation watching it again 
like I said, I'm not sure if it's improved or if I'm just more accepting of this sort of thing. Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe it's, it could just be a sort of thing like expectations got so low on the second <laughs> viewing that it's like a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Whereas the first time going in and just being like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Who are those people? Oh, now they're dead. Who's that? Oh, well, they're dead too. Who cares? You came off of right. Spider-Man 2 at that time when you saw it. Yeah, and the last, uh, you know, exactly. The last uh, superhero movie I'd seen, I think, was Spider-Man 2, which was, you know, the far opposite of this. So, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily improved or if I'm just a little more charitable or what. But either way, four and a half uh, badly introduced supervillains. The half is like part of Tattoo. <laughs> Loading around separate. <laughs> the sweet bird. Um, I think... For me, I had been a while since I've done a rating. I think the last rating I did was Men in Black. <laughs> a while ago. Um, which I really, really, really enjoyed. So that's really the only thing I have as a baseline for me. Yeah, you got a lot of space. I know. Um, you don't have to maneuver like Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I really backed myself into a corner with Howard the Duck. <laughs> right from the get-go. <laughs> um, but, no, I hadn't seen the movie before. I was going into it expecting god-awful horribleness it just doesn't you know i think it got like 10 percent on rotten tomatoes something like that like it was just supposed to be like god-awful i oh, didn't sorry to interrupt. one thing we for, we did not mention but uh this is the the lowest grossing marvel movie since howard the duck at this point oh wow so audiences stayed away but for me i i actually kind of enjoyed it yeah, there were a couple moments where I was like, okay, really? Or, okay, well, that was stupid writing. But I didn't I didn't find myself, like, yelling at the TV screen, which Adam can attest to does happen quite frequently on things that I hate. Uh, so I'm going to give this a five, five badly introduced supervillains, because I, I didn't hate it. I thought the writing could have been better. Um, but I did really enjoy her kicking butt and taking names on the points where she had the opportunity to do so. Um, it wouldn't may have been a six if she tied her hair back. <laughs> but no. Uh, no, I so I think it's a pretty solid five for me. Nice. Um, yeah, so I, I went into it with pretty low expectations. So, uh, you know, and I, I didn't think it was all that bad. It was perfectly watchable. There were some, some good action scenes. Things could have been explained a little better. The writing, you know, could have made things a bit clearer to me and you know as as it goes with a lot of these movies for whatever reason i was maybe it's just my you know my 2018 superhero movie brain at this point but i'm like you know there could have been more action but uh uh, i'd say i'll probably go with uh five poorly introduced villains still liked it more than the punisher and less than blade trinity and Almost up to Daredevil theatrical cut, but not quite. Almost, yeah, not quite. Okay, a little bit, a little bit below that. Um, so what I can say is that I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to, simply because Adam had been sort of trolling us with this since the beginning <laughs> of the Marvel movie March that this was somehow going to be the uh, the low point. Um, doesn't mean that I liked it that much though. I I liked the sort of ten thousand foot view of it. It was a very good. I thought it was a good outline for a movie. Like I like the idea of Electra. I like 
I kind of like the Pacific Northwest setting. I like the idea of all these strange supervillains. And I think it was just nothing in the middle got filled in all that well. There's just a lot of there's a lot of good ideas that didn't go anywhere. They didn't get beyond the idea stage. And it also seems to me that this is the sort of movie that maybe editing kept from being like a zero or a one. Like, I think just the script was so bad and probably the footage they shot was just not good that this was something that was cobbled together after the fact. So I'm I just assumed that I was going to give it like a one or a two based on what Adam had said, but I'd actually give three point five poorly introduced supervillains out of ten. So, so better than I thought. Be- better than Blade Trinity. I liked it better than Blade Trinity. Okay. About on par with Men in Black 2. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Better, better than, than Howard the Duck. Yeah. <laughs> yes, better than Howard the Duck. <laughs> Not as good as Daredevil theatrical cut. No, no. Let's see, what other numbers can we look at? Um... <laughs> Just compare it to every, <laughs> every past no. rating. So not as good as Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, hmm. But better than The Punisher 2004. Oh, yeah. This is hackneyed. Need to compare it to future ratings. <laughs> <laughs> so better than Ghost Rider Spirits of Vengeance. We, we uh, need most, to... yeah. But, but not as good as Captain America the Winter Soldier. <laughs> we need to go... <laughs> Fill in ratings for all the future movies. <laughs> but better than Venom. Ah, uh, remains to be seen, but... Uh... <laughs> so yeah, that uh, wraps it up for episode 19 of our Merry Marvel Movie March. Join us for our next episode, number 20, when we get to the movie that Paul has been waiting for. The 2005 not actually released in theaters film Man Thing. <laughs> oh yeah, where we get to talk about, get to have the obligatory mention about how there's a giant size Man Thing comic. Hmm. So we got that. To look <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, there's a. You know how there's like giant size X Men and giant size Fantastic Four. Yeah. Yeah, there's giant size Man Thing. <laughs> Someone apparently wasn't paying close attention. (laughs) Or someone was absolutely paying just enough attention. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. And a special thanks to our guest, Brianne Gobeski. Thanks for having me. Doug Gobeski. Fun as always. And Paul Wilcox. It's been a pleasure. All right. Time to get on Discord and start sending each other sweet memes. (laughs) Hey everyone, thanks for listening to our show. Make sure to check out our website at GobeskiWallsReport.com. Hey everybody, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Just follow us at GW Report and like our page on Facebook, the Gobeski Wallace Report. And hey everybody, tune in to next episode where there's sure to be tons more hilarity that we know you'll enjoy. Hey everybody. think though overall like there were some good parts of the movie like the movie wasn't all bad oh adam shaking his head we're not no. ready to wrap up yet <laughs> try wrap i'm not up. wrapping it up i was just trying to add a little bit of sparkle no that's a wrap-up that is not that's a wrap-up and i will not stand for it <laughs> only a wrap-up if you let it be a wrap-up oh. all right so more fine okay more electro bashing <laughs>